Good morning. So what's interesting, so you guys wouldn't realize this, but for me, when I prepare my teachings, prepare the teachings and stuff, I always, one of my hopes is that it connects, right? That it's not just, that it doesn't uh, just go out there and not hit anything. What I always find interesting and fascinating is what Emily, during worship, just something she, that was mentioned in her reading from Romans, and then what Christine talked about. And for me, it was like, both hit on what we're going to be talking on this morning. With that, I hope you guys are doing well. Here it is, 24th of January, 2021. Where does the time go? Okay, so we're, on, we're in a series right now where uh, actually it's a long, overarching series, but with many, many sub-series in that. But it's this whole thing of, as I've said, if this last year has done anything for us, what it has done is have us take a look at ourselves, and especially for the church, what does it mean to be a follower? What is it all about? Uh, so many things have been upset. On, you know, our, our wagon has been upset, and we go, now what? And the one thing that has been uh, encouraging for myself, and I hope for you as well, is that you have found that Jesus is your stabilizer, the one who is the anchor that you can anchor to. That's my hope. And so we've been on this whole thing of looking at what is this call that Jesus invites us into to follow. And uh, this is sort of like the prelude to everything that we're going to be looking at, or the preface, I should say. I want to begin today with uh, showing a video. It's an interview with a German theologian by the name of Jürgen Moltmann. And you may be going, who's that? And that's a good question. Well, Jürgen was born in Germany in 1926. And uh, just near the end of World War II, he joined the German army. And it was shortly thereafter that he was captured by the British because the Allies had invaded uh, Germany at that point. The war was ending. But he was, t- he was taken captive. And what the Allies were doing, they were using the, the Nazi concentration camps uh, as prisons for their prisoners. To show the prisoners, this is what you guys were doing, right? And Moltmann experienced that. And that... To see what, as his words, his fellow Germans had done to the Jews, the Nazis, what they had done, it like devastated him. To such a degree, he asked the question, where is God in our suffering? That was his, like a, a search for him. And over the next couple of years, what happened was he, he started following Jesus. And as a result, he's become a fairly notable theologian, uh, very insightful and uh, Here's just a little tidbit. He says this. He says, Oppression has two sides. On one side, there is the master. On the other side, the slave. Oppression destroys humanity on both sides. Those are words that are just to ponder because it is quite fascinating what he has to say there. But I want you to, as we look at the video, I want you to listen closely because he does have a thick German accent. And uh, as you listen, remember that what he is saying comes from, you know, the time he was born in, the, where he was born, uh, his experiences that he's had, all of that forms his understanding of the world and that. So without further ado, here's the video. Did Jesus do something on the cross that we 
couldn't do for ourselves. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And uh, I tried the same prayer, but I had, I had difficulty with that. Because the Nazis knew, knew what they were doing to the Jews. Is Jesus God? No, the Son of God. And his relationship to God, whom he called Abba, dear Father, was so uh, close that we rightly call him the Son of God. It is an expression for a close relationship. What does that mean to Abba, Father, to you, that prayer? Um, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, heard this prayer uh, in Galatians and in Rome. But afterwards, the Abba prayer disappeared and was replaced by our Father in heaven. So uh, the distance was put in, uh, instead of the intimacy of Abba, dear Father. Uh, the movement of Tese restored the Abba prayer. And if I pray Abba, dear Father, I feel the intimacy of Jesus. And I use this uh, personally and in church, and if I pray in the church. Moment does contemplative prayer? Well, I, uh, not in special daytimes. I pray when I wake up in the morning before I stand up. What do you, how do you pray? What do you pray? Uh, Psalms uh, 23 or Psalm 103 uh, and uh, uh, then I pray for my wife and her children and friends and uh, people in need in prison. And, and God hears those? Well, I'm certain. <laughs> All right, Otherwise I would not pray. <laughs> One of the things for him that became very dear to him is in his prayer life is what is known as what's known as the prayer of Jesus, which is Abba, dear Father. And 
that had become very formative in Jürgen's life. And in that interview, he talks about this prayer, Abba, dear Father. And what he is speaking about here is this intimacy that Jesus had with his Father, but not just for the sake of Jesus having this, this relationship. It was to show us, to teach us, to lead us to have this same intimacy with him, with, with the Father as well, through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and what's interesting, what the prayer that Moltman is talking about is what we call the Lord's Prayer. And that prayer actually exploded in the first century church. It was, it was a powerful, impactful prayer for them because it spoke of the, of the closeness of God, that God was not distant, actually, that God was near to them. God was not far away. Hence, when they would pray, it was, it was Abba, dear Father, your kingdom come. However, as culture can do, it can influence. And some of the notable influencers, philosophers of that day were Plato and Aristotle. And their language was, they reasoned that heaven was out there and we're here and there was a separation. Therefore, God was out there and it was us here on planet earth. And uh, so it became this us and, and God out there. It became distant, hence the changing of the prayer of our Father who's in heaven, right? That heaven's up there, God's there, and, and we're, it's a prayer of petition to a deity. But that was not the intent of the church. The intent of, the intent of what Jesus taught us in that prayer was that God is near, close to our hearts. Now, hear me out. It's not that you have to get the prayer right. <laughs> that's, not, that's not it at all. Um, it's not doing that. What it is, it's, it's the heart that we know in our heart that God is near, that God is present, that God is very close to us. Um, one of the names prophesied about Jesus before the Messiah arrived, it was Isaiah who prophesied it, is that his name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us, God close to us. And it's as we step into that presence of God, that's when we become known. And that's how we come to truly know who God the Father is for us. It's that place of where I let myself be known by God. You could say where I come to God naked as I am. It's as I sit with God and I share with God my heart. I tell God my longings. I tell God my desires, my fears, my disappointments, uh, my wins. Yes, I tell God my wins, but also my struggles that I have, celebrations, my experiences. uh, Even God and I talk about my temptations, longing for forgiveness, it's, it's sitting at God's feet and, and listening, learning to be still before God. With no need to ha- that, I, that God has to speak to me at times, but just simply to sit and to listen. Like two friends, two very good friends that can be in the same room with each other and that's enough. They don't need to talk. Just being together is all that they need. 
And it is then, at that place, that's when you really get to know God. That's what Jesus takes us into. That's why Jesus says, I am the way to God. I'll take you to the Father. It's a God who who is full of love, God who is safe, secure. God is inspiring, also correcting, right? And challenging at times. The one who believes in me, the one who created me, the one who breathes life into me. And it's that life that Jesus invites us into. Because one of the things we have to realize and remember is this. And I said this, oh, I don't, I don't know if it was a year ago, I was talking about the North Star. And that it's not the Bible that is the North Star. Jesus is the North Star. The Bible is one of those two stars on the handle of the Big Dipper that directs us to where the North Star is. You want to know who God is? Come into God's presence. Where is God's presence? Everywhere. Everywhere. Be still and come into God's presence and let yourself be known and experience the God that loves us. One of the things I've uh, discovered is that over time, and I'm a slow learner, (laughs) right? God is very patient with me. But over time, what I've noticed is that things began to change in how I see the world, how I see God, how I see others, and even how I see myself. And the intriguing thing is that I, I start to see life as God sees it. And life takes on a whole new understanding for me. It's almost like there's a transformation taking place, something beyond what I even expected or what I've ever experienced before. And I just, you feel just a bit more alive. And it's fascinating. And what I realize, and and this is something I have realized, is that what I thought was life pales in comparison to what it seems like Jesus is offering. And so that has captured my attention. That has fascinated me. And I'm on this, I would call it, I'm on this quest. And I want you to join me with me on this quest to find out what is this life that Jesus offers us. What is it? Because I, I, I am hungry for it, to say the least. Now, I don't know if you've heard this before, but they say that when a person nears the end of their life, uh, what they say pay attention to because they tend to speak of those things that are very important to them, but also what they see as the important things in life, what matters to them. One of the last prayers of Jesus, just before he went to the cross, was a prayer for the church at large. But there is a part in that prayer where he prays for you, prays for me, prays for us the current believers right now today. And I'm so thankful that John, the the gospel that he wrote, captured this because it's such a powerful words what Jesus has to say, what he prayed to the Father. And I want you to listen to what John writes here, what Jesus prayed. Jesus said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. 
I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I hope you caught the picture Jesus was not just painting, but the longing in Jesus' heart for the intimacy that God the Father longs for and invites us into with him. Paul reminds us of this as well, the nearness and the oneness that we now have with Abadir Father. He wrote this in his letter to the, to the church in Galatia. And this is found in Galatians 4. And this is what Paul writes here. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, dear father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Those are words you can take away and find a quiet place and sit with Jesus and and ask Jesus just to unpack that more for you. And by unpacking, I mean, help my mind and my heart to grasp this Jesus, to understand the truth that Paul has written here. Now, I have to stress, if you get nothing else out of your journey, in your faith journey with Jesus, in your lifetime while here on planet earth. I want you to grasp hold of the reality that God longs for you to know God, but also God longs for you to be known. Because there's something, there's something there rich that is just breathes life into your very being. Now, why am I so adamant about this, about this aspect of having a relational intimacy with Jesus? Why? There's an insightful point that Jesus drives home in his teaching to what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew's Gospel. It's 5, 6, and 7. And as Jesus goes up on a hillside with his disciples and others are around him, and he teaches. And his teaching is, I would almost describe it as Jesus' manifesto. But down near the end of chapter 7, Jesus says these words. He says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, those are jarring words. What do you mean? Like, prophesied? cast out demons? We've performed miracles? You don't know me? Here's something that you may understand what Jesus is saying here. You can imagine a couple get married. They go through their 20s and 30s and 40s. They have kids. They have their occupations. They pursue all of life. They're busy, busy, busy. And by the time they hit their 50s or 60s, their kids have grown up. They've left the nest. And they're now entering into retirement. 
And you hear this often. The two look at each other and they go, we're just strangers in a house. I don't know you. I don't, they don't know each other. How'd that happen? How could that possibly be? How can they possibly share the same house for 40 years or more and not know each other? They didn't pay attention to the relationship. They didn't pay attention to each other. So important, what, what God invites us into is a love relationship with him. Longs for it. God longs for it because God is the author of life. Life flows from him. And God longs for us to have that life here and now. That's why Jesus brought heaven. That's why the kingdom comes now, right? I so want us to recapture the stunning truth of Jesus' radical prayer, Abba, dear Father. Not in just capturing that prayer, but in that relational union we can have with Jesus. That God is near to you. God is for you. He's the God of humanity and he's not some abstract deity. He's a God that is present right now. He's not in opposition to us as human beings. God has compassion for us. And he is God who has revealed Christ. It's like Paul says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. What you hear Jesus teaching, how you see Jesus living, that's God. That's who God is. And it's God who is wildly for our human race, madly in love with us, madly in love with your existence and longs for you and me to be one with our Abba, dear Father. So I pray that for you. I want to do something just a little different. I'd like to just close with the prayer, what's known as the Lord's Prayer. But I'd like us to, we're just going to change a little bit just the beginning and the end of that by inserting Abba, dear Father. So if you're there at home or wherever you are, you can either let these words just wash over you or join me as I pray them. Abba, dear Father, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Abba, dear Father. I bless you with the intimacy of Jesus. May the love of God wash over you this week. And may it be God's love that holds you secure, whatever you may be facing. God bless. <laughs>